You're listening to Orange County's only station with critical business information, Critical Mass, with your host, Rick Franzi. Welcome to today's episode of Critical Mass Nonprofit Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. This community talk show airs live on octalkradio.net, Orange County's only community radio station, broadcasting from their state-of-the-art studios here in tech space in Costa Mesa. If you're listening to our show as a podcast, we do encourage you to consider listening to our show live during our broadcast times of 4 to 5 p.m. on Tuesday and Wednesday and 3 to 4 p.m. on Thursday. The goal for this show, our nonprofit show, is to help you, our listening audience of CEOs and business owners, learn more about the worthy nonprofit organizations that are serving the needs of our Orange County and global residents. If you're expecting to hear my interview on OC Coastal Puppy Raisers with Janine Valente and Rick Wilcox, well, you just stay tuned. They're going to be a little bit later in the program. I would like to thank our commercial sponsors, Succession Strategies, Smart Stop Self Storage, Smart Business Magazine, Decision Toolbox for supporting our program today. This is our special nonprofit radio show. Our first guest is Jeff Thrash. He is CEO of the Mental Health Association of Orange County. Jeff, welcome to the program. Thank you, Richard. It's a pleasure to be here, and I appreciate the invitation. I've been looking forward to having you on the program since I first found out that you were going to be our guest. And before we talk about your organization and the great work that you're doing in our community, tell me a little bit about you and your background. Okay. All right. Uh, well, I uh, originally um, um, went to school to be a therapist and uh, ended up uh, becoming licensed as a therapist. I went to school in the Midwest, Michigan State University, and uh, moved out here for the weather. My plan was, uh, as a licensed therapist, to go into private practice and, and do the best therapy I could do. I kind of evolved into the corporate world as a hospital administrator. And then 13 years ago, wanting to get back to uh, what made me a therapist to begin with, which is the human beings that we serve, I went looking for a nonprofit uh, that helped with uh, mental health challenges uh, in the community and found the Mental Health Association of Orange County. So I've been the CEO there for 13 years now. 13 years. And, uh, you know... I'm so glad there is a Mental Health Association of Orange County. Could you explain to our audience the mission, sort of what you do in our community and how you serve the needs of the residents of Orange County? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, The Mental Health Association was founded in 1958 by a group of uh, volunteers who felt that someone needed to speak for those who couldn't speak for themselves. So those who were struggling with mental illness, those who were locked into state institutions. Um, So a group of volunteers simply advocated and provided community education and fought stigma back in the 1950s, Mm -hmm. and that was the beginning of the Mental Health Association. Over the 55 years, and this year is our 55th birthday, uh, we provide services throughout Orange County, mental health and social services, drop-in centers for the homeless, mentally ill, um, and we've uh, provided them. Uh, we're located in Orange County. We serve only Orange County, and we serve about 20,000 individuals a year and their families who struggle with uh, severe and persistent mental illness, uh, poverty, and discrimination. It seems to me, Jeff, that there's a greater number of people in Orange County who have a need for services than 20,000. Maybe some of them are able to get mental health assistance through other channels, through the family therapist or something. But it seems to me that you use the word stigma about the founding of the Mental Health Association. In my personal opinion, our country still hasn't figured out how to deal with our residents who are suffering from mental illness. Mm-hmm. 
Hmm? Absolutely. Yeah, there, there certainly is a great deal more. Uh, it's been estimated closer to 300,000 individuals uh, can benefit from mental health services in Orange County. Oh, that's like 10% of the population. Exactly, exactly. And uh, there's probably more. However, because of the stigma, because of the embarrassment, uh, people don't seek help. People are uncomfortable. They're They're embarrassed. Uh, when if they do seek help, we, there's a lot of things to do to help people get back on their feet and, and have a satisfying and wonderful life. So there are programs like ours, the, the County of Orange Healthcare Agency, which is government, uh, provides programs for those who are, uh, uninsured, uh, uh living on the streets. Uh, uh, we are, um, but we are the largest provider of the homeless programs in Orange County, partially funded through the County of Orange Health Care Agency. Any sense for what percentage of the homeless population also suffers mental health? Yeah. So, well, it's estimated that about 40% of individuals who live on the streets and are homeless are homeless due to mental illness. Um, there's also a percentage of individuals who are on the streets, and because of that, Developmental illness, wow. uh, depression, anxiety, right. drug and alcohol abuse, whatever is necessary to survive living on the streets. Right, because you, I, 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 I imagine homeless, part of the challenge of being homeless is it's easy to become a victim of other, of, of crime, of gangs, of other people. You know, you're, you're vulnerable. Absolutely, absolutely. It's one of the most vulnerable um, portions of our population. Uh, if you're homeless, uh, you stay awake trying to survive, uh, trying to eat, trying to take care of your basic needs. If you're homeless and you're mentally ill, you may not also uh, be in touch with reality and, and know when to ask for help or where to go. Um, so, yes, they are victimized. They are they are um, sought after by, by individuals who want to uh enlist them in illegal activities prey on them right prey I, on I feel them. like exactly. they prey on them yeah uh, they are easy to prey on yes one of the other questions that I'm so excited to have you here that I wanted to talk about and and I worry about frankly because I've heard others report on this and that is our veterans who are coming back from the wars in the Middle East and how much potential they have for developing or coming back with some form of mental health mental illness and yes. and and I worry that we have really through this effort really increase the number of people that may have issues with mental health because of what we subjected them to with multiple tours and the kind of things that they experienced while they were in Iran. Or Absolutely. And and uh, the shame and embarrassment of asking for help is even more crucial uh, with uh, veterans who are trained to be tough and, and uh, take care of business and, and not complain. Um, and the veterans are coming back, and there's a higher, more veterans have died from suicide than have died on the field of battle. Uh, that should be week. enough for the country to go, we have an epidemic. We, we have a problem, mm -hmm. right? We're Absolutely. outraged that Americans lost their lives in foreign war. But what about the ones that come back and take their own life, which is greater than the people? Than the, and yes. these still are kids. Yes, I yes, mean, for yes. the large part, they're 20-somethings. They're young people that are coming back. We've subjected them to these horrors. And absolutely. And once again, uh, even more so uh, because of the shame and embarrassment, they don't ask for help. Uh, we have an outreach program of our homeless program. We have the largest uh, mentally ill homeless program in Orange County located in Santa Ana. It's a 15,000-square-foot building. We provide all types of services. We also provide... Uh, meals seven days a week, uh, showers, uh, postage. We reunite them with their families. But three years ago, we recognized this issue, and we developed a specialty veterans outreach program. Good. And these are veterans who have struggled with mental health challenges, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. They now work for the Mental Health Association, and they go out and they find the other veterans, mm. and they find them in the streets. And these veterans have given up, haven't asked for help, 
um, have lost their paperwork that's necessary for them to get help from the VA or get all the benefits they can get from the government for serving our country. So we go out and we seek uh, the veterans who are now homeless, who are back from uh, the tour of duty, and who have given up and who need help. And we invite them into our programs, and it's veterans serving veterans um, who have also experienced uh, mental health challenges and successfully overcome those mental health challenges. So by inviting them in to first take care of their basic needs and to meet with other veterans, eventually uh, we can get them to accept mental health treatment or medications if they need that for a period of time. Uh, The other thing about veterans is that uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, they want to take off the disorder portion of that title because the reality is is that post-traumatic stress happens to normal people in abnormal, stressful situations. Right. So there's, these people aren't sick. They aren't weird. They are just simply normal people who've been exposed to an enormous amount of trauma for an extended period of time, and now they're showing reactions. So there is a way to give them help that can bring them back to mainstream life and be a productive citizen, but you've got to take a prolonged, I would think you'd have to take a prolonged approach. I, I don't know a lot about post-traumatic stress, but my sense is it didn't happen overnight, and it's not going to be resolved for that individual overnight. Exactly, exactly. And a lot of what we do is we first take care of their basic needs, which is we will give them food if they need food. We'll give them housing and, and get supplemental funding to cover the cost of their housing and their utilities. We'll, we'll help them find jobs. We employ them ourselves mm-hmm. uh, to get them off the streets. But at the same time, we gradually, through the engagement process, reinstill hope, reinstill enthusiasm that, that things can get better. And at that point, they may ask for mental health treatment or, or medications, and, uh, and they may need to take for a period of time uh, to get back on their feet. Because I could see how that could also lead to um, not taking care of their teeth, and maybe they have bad hygiene and bad health there, bad physical health. You know that they, they don't bathe as. I mean, there's just the mental situation and the homelessness just leads to a bunch of other things. You've got to fix a lot of stuff to get this person back on the track to yes. being a member of society again and high functioning. Yes, and the first thing we need to do is let them know that people care, right, and that there's hope. And once we reinstill hope, we reinstill motivation to seek what's necessary to get better. We're talking with Jeff Thrash. He is the CEO of the Mental Health Association of Orange County. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a short commercial break. We're going to be back in like two minutes. Sorry about that. Don't go anywhere. We're having an engaging conversation. This is an important topic, and his organization is doing wonderful work for our residents here in Orange County. You're listening to Critical Mass Radio Show. talk about your family business? You know, that thing you put your whole life's blood, sweat, and tears into? Well, what happens when you retire or try and pass that business on to your children? At Succession Strategies, we can help you find the answers. We'll guide you through the unsettling process of protecting your family legacy and successfully passing your business on to the next generation, safely and securely ensuring that it'll both survive and thrive for generations to come. So ask yourself just one question. Can I really afford to wait? Take the first step. Take our complimentary self-assessment at SuccessionStrategies.com or call us at 714-560-9022 to set up a free consultation at your convenience. That's Succession-Strategies.com. 
got stuff to the right, more stuff to the left. Got enough stuff, but I can't take a step. So I smart stopped. It took a minute to think. I need a little better spot, not under the sink. With smart stop, I leave the stress at the door. Cause it's the smarter way to store. Smart stop bucks the system. Your first month's rent is just a buck. Your next three months are half off. Call 888-97-STORAGE and mention this station. Goodbye clutter, hello floors. Smart stop, the smarter way to store. Smart Business Network is a business-to-business multimedia company providing insight, advice, and strategy for C-level executives of fast growth, middle market, and large companies. As one of the nation's largest publishers of local management journals, under the Smart Business name, Smart Business Network publishes 19 regional print editions, presents dozens of large and small-scale business conferences and award programs, and produces a vibrant interactive digital media presence. For more information, visit us at www.sbnonline.com. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Nonprofit Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. I'd like to thank and acknowledge our listeners who download our show as a podcast. You've downloaded over 12,000 shows over the last 30 days. We here at the program really appreciate your continued support. All of our shows can be heard live here on Internet radio station octalkradio.net or rebroadcast anytime from Apple iTunes, Stitcher.com, and other business-oriented podcasting services. Our first guest today is Jeff Thrash. He is CEO of the Mental Health Association of Orange County. Jeff, I wonder if you could share with us a current challenge facing your organization. Um, well, there's there's multiple challenges to being a nonprofit. There, there's never enough resources. There's never enough funding. Um, because we serve the chronically and severely mentally ill individuals, uh, donations are hard to come by because there's a lot of good causes out there, and there's a lot of more attractive, I guess, populations to donate to. So, so. Um, Volunteers, donations is our biggest challenge. Government funding, a year after year, the first thing on, whether it be state or federal dollars, the first thing on the table when you're looking at cutting costs is mental health funding. So I have been with the Mental Health Association for 13 years, but it goes back further than that. Uh, um, each year there's uh, a, redu- a reduction in government funding, and then we attempt to make that up to provide the same level of care through uh, uh, fundraising, through donations, through private grants and charities. And I'm very happy to say we've been successful in doing that, uh, but we, we can't provide the programs without volunteers um, and donations of either in-kind articles, clothing, food, uh, dishes, silverware, anything to help us feed the homeless. But our challenge is simply to provide the same level of care to meet the needs of the community with uh, less and less funding each year. And things get more expensive. And things get more expensive. So in the rare years to where we are level funded from our, our funding sources to where there's no cuts, it's still a 10% cut because our operating costs, whether it be rent or insurance or benefits or utilities, go up uh, double digits every year. So it's it's taken some real creative thinking. Um, several of our staff, because we are a nonprofit, wear multiple hats. Right. Uh, one of the things I'm most thrilled with, a third of our staff have struggled with mental health challenges and homelessness themselves. Wow. So they bring that insight uh, uh, to programs that also have licensed psychiatrists and therapists and nurses. And the balance of the Ph.D. in street knowledge and the Ph.D.s mm-hmm. in book knowledge has brought an incredible passion and commitment of our staff to where my biggest challenge is to ask my staff not to work so hard and take some time off and take care of themselves because with limited funding, they're working miracles. 
and with limited resources and with limited uh, supplies, they're working uh, miracles. Up until I came to the Mental Health Association 13 years ago, my entire career was in the for-profit sector. So I still have a hard time asking people to give me something. Right. Just because we do nice stuff, right. can you give me some money? Can you give me some clothes? But it's for a good cause. That's such a big part of the CEO's role of a nonprofit or the executive director, whatever the chief executive officer's title is, is the fundraising element to make sure you can provide just the basic requirements. It's almost like, not an insatiable need but it must feel like that at times that you can all i mean you could continue to grow your organization and still not meet all the needs of the people in the community who you could benefit and help absolutely it's there is so much more need than there are resources or funding not only for us but for other nonprofits. um so it's a constant challenge and and i am re-inspired every day by my staff by how hard they work but also by the people who donate their time my board of directors as a nonprofit are all volunteers they're all very busy they're all very successful they all have lives of their own, but they take the time to show up to our events and support our our conferences and show up to our staff holiday parties where we thank the staff once a year for their incredible efforts. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm inspired by the incredible generosity of our community. You know, we talk about fundraising and, and every nonprofit leader that I've had on the program, there are several kind of keynote funding events that they have throughout the year. I know that your next major one that I have here is in it's the 20th annual Mental Health Awards Luncheon. It's going to be on February 27th of next year. C can you describe this event to our audience? Help us understand if we were to go, what we'd experience, who should go if they're not, you know, Absolutely. if they're available to go. Tell us a little bit more Absolutely. about your event. This, this is one of our major events that we hold annually. We are very, very proud of it. Uh, the purpose of this event, uh, it doesn't make much as far as funds. <laughs> it kind of covers the cost, but that's not why we do this particular event. Okay. Okay. This event is for advocacy, community education, and to fight stigma. So this is the uh, Academy Awards for the mental health community in Orange County. And what we've done, and we've done, this will be the 20th year in a row, is once a year, we recognize extraordinary individuals in the community uh, in three categories. One is professional, one is uh, volunteer, and one is uh, individuals themselves who are showing bravery and courage and good role modeling as they themselves are recovering from mental illness and drug and alcohol abuse. So all organizations, mental health and non-mental health, any corporation can nominate someone who's shown extraordinary efforts to help those with mental health challenges in the community. All nominees are recognized. Uh, mm -hmm. we, we, get, uh, we receive um, acknowledgments from the state senators uh, that they all receive. They're all acknowledged in their nominations at this event, and we roll out the red carpet. We get about 300 people at this point, and, uh, all, and, and of the nominees for these three categories, one person gets, in essence, a medal similar to what, a gold medal in the Olympics. Sure. So based on these nominations, which they can get off our website, anybody can nominate anybody, and then they just describe what have they done for the community to help someone with mental illness or what have they done as a doctor or a therapist or as an individual to show courage and compassion to the mentally ill. These nominations are forwarded to us. Prior recipients of these of the award, uh, the Mental Health Award, uh, are on the panel. They select the most deserving individuals. And we have a sit-down dinner. We usually have an inspirational speaker as a keynote. Oftentimes, it's someone who's a published author or a successful professor or a businessman or a woman um, who has overcome 
a severe and persistent mental illness and and, uh, and their role models. Um, half of our audience are individuals themselves struggling with mental health, which we're very proud of. So we'll get professionals, we'll get corporate heads, uh, uh, but we'll also get individuals um, to network uh, who are part of the recovery process themselves. Sounds like a wonderful event, and it's an evening event. You said well, it's actually a luncheon. Oh, it's a luncheon. Okay, it's a luncheon. It's our twentieth year in a row. We hold it in Costa Mesa at the Turnip Rose, and um, as I said, it's just a wonderful celebration of all that's good about mental health services. Well, I would encourage uh, if you're listening to us live today, it's a few months away, so you can put it on your calendar. If you're listening to us as a podcast, as long as it's not. February 27th, 2014 or later, you still have time to register and go. It sounds like a wonderful event, and it's probably a great way to bring people into your community, too, where they can see the good work that you're doing, and then hopefully, I'm sure the business leaders and CEOs that are listening to our show have, based on the numbers, know of someone in their life or maybe themselves have had it in their past, and that's why I do these nonprofit shows to help connect my community to these worthy organizations like yours. Yeah, well, everybody is touched. Well, at least one in four individuals are touched with mental health challenges, uh, whether themselves or loved one. So it's out there. And an event like this to where we honor and celebrate recovery from mental health challenges uh, is to fight that stigma and that embarrassment and that shame because if people ask for help, there's a lot of help out there, but they're uncomfortable asking for help. So this is one way that we say, you know, Recovery is a good thing right. and can help. It's not. It's like not telling your doctor you have diabetes or a heart disease or high blood pressure. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not going to get better because you deny that you have it. You exactly. need to deal with it and and recover with the help of professionals who can help you. Exactly. Tell exactly. me about the future for your organization. What, Jeff? You've been you've been there now. Where, where do you see the? We have about three minutes left here on the radio program. Where do you where you plan to take and how can our community help the Mental Health Association of Orange County? Okay. Well, uh, we want to continue to provide the services we provide. Uh, uh, we have a full continuum throughout Orange County. We have outpatient clinics. We have the homeless drop-in center in Santa Ana. We have housing specialists. We have uh, a job placement specialists. We have outreach to go out and find people that, that have detached from the world. Um, uh, most of our programs are mobile. We go to the people in the community. Um, we want to continue to do that, but we're constantly looking for what else is out there and what what are the additional needs. Right now, what we'd like to do is get some additional funding um, to expand our housing, to actually purchase properties. Um, to That's then tough here in Orange County because everything's it's, so expensive, right? I mean, it's well, just... it's expensive, and then NIMBYism, not in my backyard. Okay. Uh, uh, there's a lot of businesses and landlords who think we do wonderful stuff. They just prefer we do it in somebody else's city. Right. So that's always a challenge, and uh, for our advocacy. So, but more housing uh, for the individuals because once they're housed and they're stable, then maybe we can help them in other areas of their life. Right. It's it's so complicated. It sounds like, and you've got, but you've got to start. If someone is listening to us today live or in the future as a podcast, and they say, you know, Jeff Thrash makes a lot of sense. I'd like to become involved or learn more about the Mental Health Association of Orange County. What's your website? Our website is uh, mhaoc dot org. Um, we also uh, on that website you'll hear about all our uh, events, all our fundraising what our needs are, what our programs are. We also can link to Twitter and Facebook. I don't understand that myself, but my staff does. Perfect. Um, if they want to nominate someone or come to one of our events, they can pull down the applications online. They can donate online. So uh, MHAOC, Mental Health Association of Orange County, dot org. They can also call me at the main office, uh, 
714-547-7559. Could you give that one more time? 714-547-7559. Okay, I'm, I'm going to put the 27th on my calendar. I'd like to come and cover it on behalf of Critical Mass Nonprofit Radio Show and bring back some audio and octalkradio.net. Jeff Thrash, you've been a marvelous guest. Continue the fine work in the community, and I hope that our radio program helps to expose a few more people to what the fine work that you're doing for our residents. Well, thank you so much for having me. This has been wonderful, and, and I appreciate the time. It's our pleasure. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take another short commercial timeout, and then our second guest, Gene Valente and Rick Wilcox from OC Coastal Puppy Raisers, will be here to talk about their guide dogs and raising guide dogs. Stay tuned, and we'll be right back. There's something happening out there today. All across America, we're seeing encouraging signs of economic recovery. Businesses are once again thinking about new growth, and new opportunities are emerging. But it raises the question, is your company positioned to take full advantage of the economic recovery and the opportunities it presents? Maybe it's time to ask, how has the recession impacted your business model? Is your business as relevant as it once was? Should you consider entering new markets or expanding into new categories? And what do customers really value about their relationship with you? The golden thread through all these questions and the answer to each and every one of them can be found in just one place. Your brand. It's much deeper than your logo and much bigger than your advertising. Your brand is the enabler of your entire business strategy. Rika's Baird is a brand strategy firm that can help. They specialize in business branding. They've helped hundreds of companies from startups to Fortune 500 leverage their brands to drive growth. They can do the same for yours. It's really quite simple. Find out more, just visit brandingbusiness.com. That's www.brandingbusiness.com. And plant the seed for economic growth. If you are an Orange County business executive, this message is for you. Do you ever feel isolated with no place to turn for advice or feedback? Who holds you accountable to your commitments in your company? Where do you find the right resources to help you and your company grow? If you have these questions, then Critical Mass for Business might be the answer for you. Critical Mass for Business is committed to helping you make better decisions. These are groups of peers running businesses just like you, providing a great sounding board to test ideas and concepts, review plans and goals, and present issues and opportunities for discussion. The result is improved strategy, accountability, people, and execution skills. If you are interested in learning more, go to www.criticalmassforbusiness.com and learn more about our executive peer group.
It takes 12 years to create a graduate. It takes about the same time to create a dropout. And at the end of the day, the difference between a child becoming one or the other could be you. So United Way is asking you to make a pledge. Tutor a child who needs help. Mentor a kid who needs someone on their side. Volunteer to read to children. Because when a child advances, we all advance. Be a reader. Tutor or mentor. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Take the pledge now at liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Critical Mass Nonprofit Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. Our audience demographic is 98% business owners and executives who listen to learn from the experiences of our guests. If your firm is interested in reaching these top decision makers, then advertising on our radio show may be the answer. Each month, our show gains valuable exposure for our sponsors. We delivered over 30,000 highly targeted sponsor impressions last month. If you'd like to learn more about advertising, then contact us at 949 887 4104. All right, as promised, OC Coastal Puppy Raisers is here. It's Rick Wilcox and Jeannie Valenti. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, I've been excited to have you here. I, I met you at an event in Laguna Niguel. It was Italian Day, I believe, or Laguna Hills, and I was impressed with the cuteness of your puppies and also the work that you do. Jeannie, could we start with you and maybe tell us a little bit about OC Coastal Puppy Raisers, uh, what the role is, and Rick, if you can add to that, I would appreciate okay. it. Okay. Um, yes, um, I'm a puppy raiser and also a puppy leader for OC Coastal Puppy Raisers, and we got started about June of this year. And what we do is we are a group that we puppy raise as a club, and we raise these puppies from about eight weeks to about 15 months old. Okay. And these are future? These are future guide dog dogs. puppies for guide dogs for the blind. And what type of puppies do you raise? We raise golden retrievers. Love them. Um, yellow and black labs. Love them, too. And we do crossbreeding. Oh, you do? Between yes. those breeds? Yes. Okay. And, and, Rick, what's your role? My role is a community field representative for Guide Dogs for the Blind. Okay, so, so you're um, with Guide Dog for the Blind. You're with the organization yes, Guide I Dogs for the Blind. Yes, I am full-time staff, and I oversee the puppy raising program in the Pacific Southwest or Southern California. Okay, so um, OC Coastal Puppy Raisers is one of the organizations that you work with to bring Guide Dogs in. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. Yeah. How many organizations like OC Coastal Puppy Raisers is there? Well, we have over 850 puppies being raised in eight western states currently. Uh, And OC Puppy Raisers, the club here, is just one of three in Orange County. So how many, Jeannie, how many puppies do you, I know you're relatively, you you have experience in San Diego, if I remember correctly doing this, but uh, here in Orange County, this this is a new venture. I mean, what is your plan as far as how many puppies do you plan to bring online and raise for the blind? Typically, we like to have anywhere from 10 to 12 puppies per leader in a group. Okay. So that's my goal in the next six months to get at least that amount. Okay. And... For people that are out there, our business owners and executives, maybe they think, hey, maybe I could raise a guide dog. What's involved? What kind of commitment are you asking for the people who raise the puppies for you? Well, it's a full-time commitment, and it's about 13 months, and the puppy lives with you, and you do the basic raising training. You get to love them, and you socialize them. That's the fun part, right? Absolutely. You get to bring them to work with you. You take them into local restaurants, grocery stores, and we do this as a club. And then as a club, do do you meet as as an organization, like at a weekend, to kind of help the 
do any kind of structured training that way as well? Yes, we have one meeting a month, and we have one outing a month. Okay. How much training does it take to be a puppy raiser? Not not a puppy leader, but an actual family who's raising a, a guide dog, a future guide dog. Well, the puppy raiser, a potential puppy raiser, would start attending a club meeting, start learning what we expect out of them and how to start training a puppy. So it'll take them maybe two or three months to start getting involved. That way we provide a lot of literature, DVDs, puppy raising manual, and then the leaders are the hands-on to teach. I'm always amazed when I see people with service animals and how well-trained they are. Is that a part of the process? I mean, do you guys early on want the families to make sure that there's a certain discipline around raising these? I mean, these dogs are obviously very smart, so you have the potential to have a fantastic service dog. But I'm intrigued with that must take a lot of time to really bring the dog to the point where it is a trusted advisor, if you will, and guide dog, service dog for people. Yes, it does. We start the puppies. They're uh, placed in homes anytime after they're eight weeks old. So the puppies will start, or the razors will start, just with being that consistent handling, uh, teaching the dog basic obedience, good self-control, getting them socialized. But it's a process. It's going to take them, you know, 12, 14 months. Time the dog's ready for recall or to start its formal guide dog training. It's a well-behaved dog that you, you love to live with. Okay, so that's yeah. the that's the if you're considering being a puppy raiser for OC Coastal Puppy Raisers and the uh, for the blind, then your job is to raise a good citizen. And then your organization, what organization takes the puppy after that and says, okay, now we're going to do the intensive training to get it ready to be given to as a service dog to a person in need? It's Guide Dogs for the Blind. We're located, our corporate offices and training facility is in San Rafael, Northern California. Okay. And we have professional licensed instructors who will take the dog after they're 15 months old and and teach it how to be a guide. So they teach all the formal guide work commands. How long does that take? Uh, about three to four months. Okay. And then once the dog's fully trained, then they're matched with a blind or visually impaired person wow. that's gone through a process. And that person will train at our campus for two weeks to learn how to use the dog. And this is completely uh, free to the blind person. Oh, it is? Uh, so okay. So all the costs are borne by your organization or by the family that's raising the puppy right. raiser in the first year or so of its life. Right. Okay. Yeah. All right. It's amazing to me what that must be like to be a visually impaired person or blind and then all of a sudden have a dog that you can really trust. And it, it must it must open up a whole new world, I would think, for the person that receives the guide dog. Has is, is that been your experience? Right? Yes, it has. It, it really gives the person that sense of their independence back. It gives them the freedom to really get out and do what they enjoy doing, you know, going to work on a daily basis, flying on airplanes, but... They right. can get there safely, and that's what the dog's trained to do. So, Jeannie, help me to understand, what happens in your experience? Are there some dogs that get raised well, but for whatever reason aren't ready to take the next step and be handed over, recalled, or, or to go to the next level of training? Does that happen? And when it does, Jeannie, what happens to the dog? Uh, yes, that does happen. And what typically we do is the razor can also, if the dog does not make it up to formal training, then the razor has the option to keep the dog. Okay. Also, guide dogs for the blind, they have a community placement program. So if I decide 
I didn't want to take the dog back for whatever reason. That dog could be placed with the hearing impaired, dogs for diabetics, things along that line. Okay, so there are other places that the dog could become a service dog, maybe not for the blind, is what I hear you saying. Okay, yes. so um, can you have other dogs in the house when you take a puppy as a to raise as a future guide dog? Absolutely, as long as they're friendly pets. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. So are you looking for families to take on additional puppies here in Orange County? Absolutely. Recruiting is probably our most difficult thing to get people to commit. Even though it's just one year, it's it's a lot of dedication. Right. So yes, recruiting is big. Starting this new club, that's my number one goal. Okay. It, it, it's, uh, we're going to take a, a quick uh, commercial timeout. Having raised puppies, they're the cutest things in the world, and they can be a handful at times, Absolutely, too, can't yes. they? So we're going to come back. Our guests today are Jeannie Valenti and Rick Wilcox. We're talking about the newest puppy raiser organization here in Orange County, OC Coastal Puppies. And we're going to talk a little bit more about raising puppies and guide dogs. And so stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be back in two minutes after these words from our commercial sponsors. There's something happening out there today. All across America, we're seeing encouraging signs of economic recovery. Businesses are once again thinking about new growth, and new opportunities are emerging. But it raises the question, is your company positioned to take full advantage of the economic recovery and the opportunities it presents? Maybe it's time to ask, how has the recession impacted your business model? Is your business as relevant as it once was? Should you consider entering new markets or expanding into new categories? And what do customers really value about their relationship with you? The golden thread through all these questions and the answer to each and every one of them can be found in just one place. Your brand. It's much deeper than your logo and much bigger than your advertising. Your brand is the enabler of your entire business strategy. Rika's Baird is a brand strategy firm that can help. They specialize in business branding. They've helped hundreds of companies from startups to Fortune 500 leverage their brands to drive growth. They can do the same for yours. It's really quite simple. Find out more, just visit brandingbusiness.com. That's www.brandingbusiness.com. And plant the seed for economic growth. If you are an Orange County business executive, this message is for you. Do you ever feel isolated with no place to turn for advice or feedback? Who holds you accountable to your commitments in your company? Where do you find the right resources to help you and your company grow? If you have these questions, then Critical Mass for Business might be the answer for you. Critical Mass for Business is committed to helping you make better decisions. These are groups of peers running businesses just like you, providing a great sounding board to test ideas and concepts, review plan and goals, and present issues and opportunities for discussion. The result is improved strategy, accountability, people, and execution skills. If you are interested in learning more, go to www.criticalmassforbusiness.com and learn more about our executive peer group. 
Got stuff to the right, more stuff to the left. Got enough stuff, but I can't take a step. So I smart stopped and took a minute to think. I need a little better spot, not under the sink. With smart stop, I leave the stress at the door. Cause it's a smarter way to store. Smart stop bucks the system. Your first month's rent is just a buck. Your next three months are half off. Call 888-97-STORAGE and mention this station. Goodbye clutter, hello floors. Smart stop, the smarter way to store. And welcome back to this edition of our special program, The Critical Mass Nonprofit Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. I'd like to thank and acknowledge our listeners who download our show as a podcast. You've downloaded over 12,000 episodes of our show over the last 30 days. We here at the program appreciate your continued support. All of our shows can be heard live here on octalkradio.net, Orange County's only community radio station, or rebroadcast anytime from Apple iTunes, Stitcher, and other business podcasting sites. All right, as I said, Jeannie Valenti and Rick Wilcox are here. We're talking about the OC Coastal Puppy Raisers. And Jeannie, I'd, I'd like to ask you, I was using the term families raising the puppies, and off the air we were talking about all the different people who in your experience have raised puppies. So tell me a little bit about the environment that's appropriate for a puppy raiser. It can be single parents, single individuals. Just talk a little bit about that. Okay. Um, yes, it can be a family. It can be a single person. It can be a, a child that's in junior high or high school, as long as the parent is on board with that and they do it jointly together. It can be someone that works in an office every day. Um, we have people that work at banks that get involved. I've called on a lot of small and mid-market businesses in Orange County for the radio show and my consulting practice, and a lot of family businesses bring dogs to work. Mm -hmm. What a great thing for the culture of the company if the owner brings a puppy that's turning into a guide dog. What a message I think that sends about giving back to the community, to the whole employee. I think that really would be a great foundation for a culture of the company. And then the other thing that you said, Jeannie, that I thought was a great idea is what a great way to teach a child responsibility knowing that not only are you teaching them that raising a puppy, but the byproduct of that is you're giving back a dog that is ready to do so much great things for an individual later. What a less a life lesson for a child, I would think. Oh yes, there's there's it's double fold. There's you know, you get the joy of raising a puppy and then you send him off to college and hopefully they graduate and they're they're um matched with, you know, a visually impaired person and they have a wonderful life together. Yeah, that's wonderful. And then you get another puppy, and you can start right. it all over again. Okay, Rick, I want to ask you a question. In your experiencing all these wonderful dogs being raised, is there a preference between a male dog or a female dog? No, there really isn't. Uh, in our program, the success is, is real equal, almost 50-50. Really? All the dogs that uh, become guides will be neutered or spayed. I was going to say, I would assume so that's part of it. We do select our breeding dogs from dogs that go back into formal training. So we have a selective breeding program. So we're breeding for the okay. temperament it okay. takes and also the physical, uh, medical concerns that you may have in dogs. Is there a, an age at which they age out? Uh, are dogs at a certain point uh, retired from being guide dogs? Yeah, they are. And it really depends on the individual that's using the dog. Maybe a dog that's working downtown Los Angeles may retire at eight or nine years old if it's commuting every day versus someone that's using the dog a little less frequently, going to the store, the bank, things like that. We have dogs that are 12 years old that are still safely guiding. 
And then what happens to a guide dog when they when they're retired? We offer the the graduate, the client that has a dog, they have the option to adopt the dog and keep the dog home. Uh-huh. If they choose not to, then we'll actually call the puppy raiser and offer the dog back to them. Oh wow! So it kind of comes full dog. circle then, huh? Yeah. You yes. get your puppy back maybe. Mm-hmm. Wow, Jeannie, in your experience, once a family or an individual raises their first puppy. Do they tend to come back to raise a second puppy? I mean, is it sort of that way? What's your experience? So far, I've seen most people raise over and over and over. We say it's very addicting. And what's nice is when your puppy is recalled and goes up to formal training, we all meet at the puppy truck, and the new puppies get off the truck, and we put the other dogs back on. So we typically say, get a dog that same day and so you don't oh. really have a lot of time to be sad you're starting a yeah. new puppy because that would i know my daughter would be the ideal she's also the producer for the radio show she would be an ideal puppy raiser because she just loves animals so much but i i would think that the days leading up to when you're going to be giving the dog up to go for graduation has got to be a little bit mixed emotions for the family oh yes but the most exciting day is when you get that letter stating that your dog is graduating you get to go up to graduation and you you get to hand off your dog that you raised to this person and you see the bond already between them. Wow. It's amazing. Is it your experience that after the dog's been through the couple additional months of advanced training, when the original puppy raiser comes up to see the puppy, that the dog remembers their original oh, raiser? Yes. They they get very, very excited. They they do not forget you. Wow. Ever. Well, it's, mm-hmm. it, it, you build kind of a relationship then. It's a community, isn't it? And it's, it's, it's a community. So what can our audience of business owners and executives who are listening to the program today, how can they help both of your organizations? What, what would you like to, what ask would you like to make of our community? Rick, would you like to go first? Yeah, I think uh, for folks that want to know more about the program, is to look us up online at www.guidedogs.com. There's all the information about the puppy raising program in a lot more detail, ways to donate if you can't Mm -hmm. uh, raise, other ways to get involved with the organization. There's an 800 number so people can actually call if they're interested in raising but may not be in South Orange County area, right, where they can be in Los Angeles or other parts of Orange County. We're on County. the Internet. There's people across the country that may be listening to us, so they can find through that website. Can they also, could they find in Albuquerque or Phoenix or uh, another in location? Phoenix, okay. uh, in parts of Texas, but it's basically the eight western states. But they can call the 800 number, tell them where they live, and then our staff will direct them to the closest uh, puppy raising club in their area. Okay, Jeannie, let's say for those people that are in Orange County, maybe even in South County, and they're saying, well, I might be willing to take a puppy and take that responsibility. How do they learn more about OC Coastal Puppy Raisers? Well, they can look at my website, and that's www.coastalpuppies.com. Okay. And they can also find us on Facebook. Are there pictures of puppies and stuff? There are lots of pictures. There's pictures of our events, our outings, our meetings. There's a lot of information. Also, there's a calendar on my website that, that gives you updated information about when our meetings are, when our outings, new events, and also my email and phone number is on there. Is it ever your experience that sometimes people take a puppy with the best intentions, but for whatever reason, after a period of time, they, they're incapable or can no longer keep their commitment? And if so, what happens? How do they, what do they do then? 
Well, of course, our number one priority is the puppy. We want the puppy to be in a safe, good environment. We want it to be good for both the raiser and the puppy. So if they cannot raise the dog and they find maybe for a financial you know, situation, we take the puppy back and I will place it in, an, in a new raiser's home. And what do you think, you said about 12 or 13 months, that's how long people would have the puppy in general? Correct. What does that cost? I mean, do, do you have an idea of like what, what's the financial commitment that people are making? Well, basically it's the food and we supply the crates and the X-pens as our club does. Okay. And then, so the food is their cost, maybe some toys, a dog bowl, and that's really about it. Okay. Guide Dogs for the Blind, when we get the puppies, we get the flea control, we get the heart guard, and they supply the ear wash and a toothbrush, everything for the puppy. Okay, so all the medical and veterinarian needs are taken care of by your, between your organization, so that's not out of pocket of the person that's raising the puppy. Correct. It's, guide Dogs for the Blind will pay for the, the veterinary care. It, it sounds like the job of the family or the individual is to love the puppy to death and to train it properly so that it's a good citizen. Absolutely. A, not different. a safe, loving home and a well-socialized puppy is what we're looking for. Right. Yeah. Treat, it, uh, treat it well so that it can do well for another other person for the rest of its life. My sense is that these these types of breeds are service dogs, and they want to work. I mean, they want to have a purpose in their life, and this probably is so fulfilling for them to be that role as a guide dog for a visually impaired person. You're probably creating a very meaningful if that's a fair term, existence for this animal that you began to train as a puppy raiser. Yeah, that's true. The dogs are very willing dogs. You'll see dogs when the, the person will get the harness out to put on and the dog gets up and wags its tail. It's like, great, we get to go. Yeah. Let's go out and work. They stop at a curb and they look up at the handler and wag their tail like, hey, I just did you know, a great job. You're right. So. I wonder also, and I'm probably out on a limb here, a logical limb, but I would think if you got a puppy as a puppy raiser and you really worked hard to prepare it to be a guide dog, that if you had a couple other dogs in the house, they might, since they're pack animals, they might learn some of the good behaviors because you're putting that effort into the puppy. You might get the long-term benefit of actually having a little better maintained dogs in your house, too, right? Oh, yes. What we find is that once people have trained the way Guide Dogs for the Blind has taught us, just automatically start raising your your pets the same way and and it's it's just a very nice environment for everybody and what a great reason or another reason to have a young adolescent adult in your family learn to train a dog properly nothing's worse than when you see somebody with a ill-mannered dog right i mean there are worse things but it's really kind of annoying when they're jumping on you and you know what i'm saying a well-mannered dog is such a joy to be around and they're such beautiful animals the, the breeds that you raise are just i i was so you know we're what my wife and i are walking by just looking at all the booths and i had to come over and and pet your puppies and talk to you a little bit i was so intrigued because they're just regal animals and the good work that you both are doing in your organizations and and i hope that by being on critical mass radio show on octalkradio.net maybe a few more people will be compelled to find out more about both of your organizations so thank you for the time being a friend of the program and welcome to our community well thank you very much it's been our pleasure yes thank you for having us it's our pleasure to have you all right ladies and gentlemen that will conclude this episode of the critical mass nonprofit radio show i want to thank Jeannie valenti and rick wilcox for sharing of their time and the good work that they're doing in the community and i hope 
I hope a few of you will take the challenge and raise a loving puppy in your home. Uh, I'd like to thank Paul Roberts, who's our engineer for today's show, obviously our commercial sponsors. I'd like to thank them as well. I want to thank our producer, Rachel Franzi, our guest coordinator, Kathleen Shepard. I am your host, Rick Franzi. I will not be hosting the show tomorrow. I'm on a business trip, but Paul Roberts, the engineer, will be stepping in as my co-host. And we have two exciting guests on our business-oriented show tomorrow. So if you're listening to us live, tune in again tomorrow at our special time of 3 p.m. for the Critical Mass Radio Show. Until the next time we have a chance to talk, here's hoping that all of your decisions will move your organization in a positive direction. You've been listening to Critical Mass, the nonprofit version, right here on Orange County's only community radio station, octalkradio.net.